All right, welcome back, everybody. This is the second episode of Teachers Talking. Uh, I'm Ghazali. And, and I'm, I'm with Dustin. Dustin, yes. And for this week, we got something really exciting for you. Our topic is on innovative uh, teaching strategies, right? And we know how important that is um, these days in the classroom. Uh, in order to engage our students, we want them to pay attention to us. Uh, rather than be playing on their iPhones or, or drifting away in la-la land. So it is something that is uh, very important for us teachers. So let's hear from Dustin. Yeah, I mean, we're talking here, these innovative teaching methods. And like, you know, when we say that, you're like, what is or what are innovative teaching methods, right? And really what we're talking about is simply changing up pedagogy, moving away from traditional teaching models so that we can better reach our students and have more success. Um, so like, why is this important for us to be talking about? Well, we need to be embracing more innovation and more teaching practices because the fact of the matter is the traditional model of teaching doesn't work. It hasn't worked for a very long time. Um, and it really, really hasn't worked in the last couple of years since we got out of the pandemic. And it's like so often we're so just as human beings conditioned not to want to change, not to accept change, that it's really hard to break from a mode of teaching that has just been passed down for all of these years, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And so I think really this all starts with enhancing student engagement, um, that innovative methods are what's going to help to capture student attention and make learning more interactive and enjoyable. Um, and this is how we can start to increase engagement, foster positive learning environments, and eventually lead to better retention and understanding of material. Can you tell us, Ghazali, a little bit why this is going to help us with preparation for the future and individualized learning and inclusivity in the classroom? Yes, uh, this is very important for me because uh, in my classrooms today, I feel that we are getting less and less engagement with our students. And I think that uh, innovation um, must lead to student engagement and an increase in student motivation in the classroom. So increased engagement often leads to higher levels of motivation and a genuine interest in the subject matter. But uh, even more important for me is that um, it, it also increases the critical thinking and problem-solving skills of our students. This will help them for the world of work in the future. Many innovative teaching approaches emphasize critical thinking, problem-solving, and creativity. So let's talk a little bit about ways that we innovate. So can you talk a, a little, Ghazali, about how you've gone about innovating in the classroom? Oh, okay. Um, for me, I think uh, what I like to do is that... Um, I use uh, artificial intelligence. I use AI a lot. Uh, it helps me to plan my work. Um, it helps me to design the resources for my lessons. And also, um, it has helped me to um, think of ways to improve my teaching in the sense that it becomes like a personal assistance for me to um, figure out things, you know, like uh, for example, I like to use storylines in my in my lessons. So when I use storylines in my lessons, I need to discuss with someone. And teaching can sometimes be a very lonely career, lonely profession. It's just you and your students in the classroom, right? So what I like to do is that I like to um, 
test out you know things uh beforehand and i always question uh, the ai the artificial intelligence the chatbots to figure out what are the best uh, storylines to use in my lessons and i think that has worked uh, out well for me um i guess an example would be my escape rooms so i've created escape rooms uh, using google sites and the idea came from me uh, asking the chatbot like you know what would interest students these days and one of the things that they mentioned that, that the idea that was uh, created was the idea of uh, a virtual escape room yeah so that was something that was very very interesting and it was very successful my students loved the virtual escape room experience That's how about you yeah, that's really cool. Um, you know, before we move into to my stuff, I was curious a little bit about, you know, what challenges have you had using AI to help you? And from your perspective in working with other educators, especially because you've done different ed tech conferences and things of that nature, I'm really curious what sort of concerns you're hearing from educators around you know, using AI as an innovative practice? Oh, okay. That's a very good question. Um, typically, the most common concern I get from, from uh, educators is that when you allow students to use chatbots, right, like uh, ChatGPT, mm-hmm. they tend to use it for the wrong purposes. So they, they use it for cheating or plagiarism, you know, to do the, their homework. So uh, the way that we do things must change. The way that we conduct our, our homeworks you know, must change the way that we design our lessons. So for example, um, I'm an English teacher. So I cannot give a homework whereby I state, um, describe an interesting place that you have been to. Write for me an essay about that. I can't do that anymore because they can just go to ChatGPT, produce it in 30 seconds, and then I'll be marking a whole load of uh, ChatGPT created homework. And that will be wasting my time. Yep. So homework has to change in the sense that um, the homework exercise assignment would have to be something like this. Use ChatGPT to produce a piece of essay, a piece of writing. Analyze this piece of writing. On the right-hand column, look at ChatGPT, what ChatGPT has produced and do an analysis of what makes it a persuasive text, what makes it a good piece of writing. Below, write a reflection of what are the things that you would use in your own writing for a similar assignment. Then on the left-hand side are, are all the technicalities. So analyze this ChatGPT text, look at the semantics, the grammar, the vocab, the punctuation, the syntax, and highlight how ChatGPT uses this in this piece of writing. So can you see, it's, it's, a, it's a better piece of homework, in my opinion. You know, you activate students' higher order thinking. Yeah, I you know, I really like that too. And I saw somewhere... I can't remember where I saw it, but I saw somebody posting about how um, they were also thinking about that same scenario and having students bring in, very similar to what you're saying, having students bring in a piece of writing that they used with, you know, ChatGPT and then figuring out how you make that a stronger piece of writing. Um, You know, because I think the other thing is they can use that, but it's not in their own voice. It's not their own tone. And it certainly isn't giving them proper, you know, paper structure. So there's absolutely ways that this can be a beneficial, you know, beneficial both to teacher and student, uh, very similar to how you're describing, um, rather than thinking about it as a cheat. Because the fact is that the AI is not not going anywhere, right? And so we either... Yep 
we have to stop being afraid of the ways that it's going to get used. I mean, it's been around forever, right? Like Google itself is already a form of AI. It's just not as advanced. And I think the other thing is people think that the AI is like thinking for itself and it's not, it's just a, a, a system that pulls information from all over the place. Right. But the fact is it's, it's growing and it's not going anywhere. So we have to start learning how to embrace it, how to put structure into schools to help teachers and help students better understand it. Um, and really just to realize that either you're going to get on the AI train or you're going to be left behind, right? Yes, that is something very important. Um, there's this education gap that keeps growing, you know, between the, the classrooms that use ed tech to augment the teaching versus the classrooms that still stick to the traditional ways of teaching. So mm -hmm. I think this is, this is something that we need to look at uh, how to improve our teaching and use the tools uh, at our disposal to augment the way that we teach in the classroom. Yeah. How about you? What what's what you are some of the innovative things that you have been doing in the classroom? Can't wait to hear. <laughs> Man, I'm enjoying the AI conversation. I could keep going that way. Um, <laughs> you know, for me, I in my career, I always knew that teaching in the traditional method was not always working. I just quite frankly didn't know how to do anything any differently, right? Like I, I was trained to teach in a certain way. I knew it wasn't reaching all of my students, but I progressed through it anyways, because I couldn't figure out any other way to do it. And a few years ago, well, actually like during the pandemic, I discovered a model of teaching in a self-paced method. And so that's my innovative practice is that is, was employing a self-paced method of learning in my classroom. And essentially it doesn't change too much of what I do. I still have to plan the same way. The biggest impact is that I don't stand in front of the room and lecture students anymore. So it's not to say in a self-paced classroom, not to say at all that we don't do whole class activities. We do. But I do not stand up and lecture. Instead, I take the same PowerPoint that I would be presenting to a classroom full of students, and I put that that is as an instructional video rather than standing up and delivering it live. And I do this because it's the only way for me to make sure that all of my students are getting the explicit instruction of the content, no matter where they are mentally, emotionally, <laughs> physically, right? Um, I start every year by asking students, actually, let me ask you this, Ghazali, have you, if you think back to yourself as a student, or if you put yourself in the shoes of one of your students, okay, have you ever been in a situation where you've been absent for a day or a couple of days, you got sick for a week, and when you came back to school, you were like, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to catch up, I feel so far behind, have you ever felt that way? Yes, I, I was away for a month with chicken pox yeah, and yeah, preparing for my um, exams. So I had to to recover, you know, and, and cover the curriculum that, that I lost for, for a month. And that wasn't easy. Yeah. And back then, there was no such thing as a PowerPoint or any recording of video clips. Yeah. So you just have to do it with sheer hard work. Yeah. And not only does it take you extra time, it also takes the teacher extra time to make sure that they get you back to where everybody else, you know, is right. How about this? Have you ever, have you ever been in a class where you got bored because the teacher was talking 
and you already knew that stuff and you were just ready to get on with the work portion, the practice portion and the learning portion of the lesson where you were like, I already know this explicit content. All the time. Or I get bored when the teacher keeps going on when I've already lost her and, and you know, then I, I can't follow the lesson and I just do my own things. So, yeah. How about just not being there, having a bad day and mentally not exactly. being sort of present? Have you ever had that where then like because you're kind of like in a daze and your mind is wandering or whatever and then you lose track of what's happening yeah. in the classroom? Has you have that All has that time. ever happened? Mm. Yeah, because um, I am like, uh, I, I think I'm ADHD. It's just that back then you don't diagnose people with ADHD. There was no such title as ADHD. But I think I exhibited the symptoms of ADHD, like, you know, focus, short attention span. <laughs> yeah. But how do you then make sure that students cover the materials that you have put up? Yeah. So I asked you those those questions in particular to show that the traditional model of teaching doesn't work, right? Because if you're a student in any of those three situations and your teacher is standing at the front of the room giving you explicit instruction and you fall in any of those categories, then we as teachers are missing those students right off of the bat, right? So we're only then reaching the students who are physically present, mentally present, and emotionally present at any given state and time, which is why we talk so much about like teaching to the middle, right? By removing myself from that equation and taking my explicit instruction and putting it into an instructional video, now I can ensure that every single one of my students gets that explicit instruction, whether they're you know absent, whether they're bored, it allows them to move a little quicker through stuff or to take a little bit more time. And what that does for me is it frees me up to be able to work more one-on-one -on -one with students and in small groups with students to truly meet students where they are and um, and that way I can also still keep all of my grade level uh, content at grade level, right? I could keep the, the rigor high rather than thinking about as an English teacher, rather than thinking about I need three or four different versions of the same text so that I can meet my students where they're at at all their different reading levels. So like rather than thinking about differentiation in that way, I can truly differentiate by helping students who are a little bit slower, like fill in their gaps, helping students who are moving a little bit quicker by giving them extension activities. And I have that opportunity by simply removing myself from the front of the, the room because it gives me more time to do those other things. Um, and so I don't want to say that in self-pacing, you know, I think one of the things that trips people up with that is all of a sudden, that means that students can take however long they want to do things. And that's not true either. Like even in a self-paced model, you still have to have hard deadlines. You just have to have a little bit of flexibility. So rather than um, going through something explicit and saying, you now have 15 minutes to complete this activity. Well, we all know as human beings that we don't all learn in 15 minutes. Some of those students can be done in five minutes because they know it so well, other students need 20 or 30 minutes to get that same thing done because they're trying to figure it out, right? And the more yeah. we like try to force our students one way or another, the more that we are missing those learning opportunities. And so um that's that's kind of the way that I've done I've done things. There's a lot that goes into self-pacing. We could probably do an entire podcast like just on that methodology, you know, yeah. but um at its, at its root. 
that's kind of the the biggest shift from tradi- from a traditional mode is is really that. Yeah, that sounds very really, uh interesting. So I I think it de- does deserve its own uh, episode, just like AI <laughs> deserves its own episode yes, as well. Yes, yes, and you can yes. go really deep into all these uh the topics. Um, definitely we should consider that. I think our audience will love it. And don't get me wrong, there's challenges with that, right? Like part of the challenge with running a self-paced classroom means that you have to spend more time planning up front than planning because so many teachers get into this mode of like planning week by week. I actually spend the time planning an entire unit out at a, at one time so that when I start a unit, my students have access to all of the content right then and there. And that also gives me one, a better sense of balance at home. So like, yes, I spend some time creating videos and putting all this stuff together, but in the long run, um, I end up saving time because I'm not planning on the evenings. I'm not planning on the weekends. Like once I have a, a completed unit, I have a completed unit. And now all that other time that I was trying to spend planning and constantly staying on track um, has been given back to me. Uh, I do a lot more like live grading. When you're meeting with students one-on-one, you're actually getting better product as well because you know what students are producing and you know it much faster and much more on the spot. So time is probably the biggest challenge when it comes to self-pacing um, and really like making sure you have that right in time I think it's, yeah. is always a challenge it's always a challenge yeah I think that's the main issue here is that uh, teachers always ask me like when you design your AI lessons you know how long does it take to design like an escape room I tell them oh it lasts uh, it I take about four to five hours to design one escape room and then it goes I don't have that much time yeah, mm-hmm. but I they, they take a week to escape that room. So so I'm spending that amount of time for the students to to learn the lesson. It doesn't end in just one lesson alone. I mean, it spans an entire week of, of curriculum. So mm-hmm. and and that's also the reason why I want to spread the the idea of creating lessons this way, so that there's just not one of me creating it. There'll be other teachers also creating it, and we could share resources. I think that's very important: sharing, collaborating with other teachers to create resources so that we have, uh, we minimize or we reduce the workload for ourselves. But at the same time, we improve the students' learning and their learning experiences in the classroom. Yeah. yeah, and I think in the long run, it probably ends up saving you time, right? Like the more you you get to understand how to use the chatbots, the easier things become. And I think that's the same, like as a teacher, once you get into like a planning mode, the more you plan, the quicker things start to become little by little, right? And so yeah. I think the understanding how to use that chat bot is very, very similar. Yeah. And you know what? I think it will be even more powerful if we actually combine our two teaching methods, our two teaching strategies. So imagine mm-hmm. if it's uh, I design a self-pacing lesson and it is a gamified one in the sense that, you know, it's like an escape room. Um mm-hmm. So you will improve students' motivation to be self-motivated, to learn on their own so that you can put up your resources and then they they are still engaged to learn when there's no teacher around. And after that, in the classroom, it it becomes more like a flipped classroom as well. In the classroom, you can actually test them to see how much they have learned. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And I think, well, I mean, part of even what I do with self-pacing is we have progress trackers. And, uh, you know, I've tried 
gamified progress trackers. My students personally did not enjoy it, but I've been in other self-paced classrooms where the kids really thrive on sort of a game board type of progress tracker. So, you know, I think that that's the other piece is anything that, that deals with innovative technology is it's, you have to find the ways that it's going to work for you and your students. But that's the nice thing about things like AI and self-paced models is you use them the way they fit. There's no like one prescribed way to do these things. This is really about challenging ourselves simply to do some things differently to meet the needs yeah. of our students, right? Agreed. Yeah. Uh, it's all about experimenting, right? So mm-hmm. you have to experiment. Every classroom is different. Every student is different. So you got to do what is best fit for your class and for your students, see what they like um, and how you can engage them in the classroom. Because in the end, we want to see the student outcomes improve. We want to see the gaps closing. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the important thing. When, you, when you've done like these escape rooms and other types of things that you've designed with AI, do you solicit feedback from your students? Do you have them reflect at all? Yes. And what do you, how do you Definitely. use that yourself? So I give uh, student feedback after the lessons um, and some of them were really hilarious. They were saying things like, why don't we do this in other lessons or other subjects? You know, why didn't we start this earlier at the beginning of the year? But I wasn't around at the beginning of the year. So that's why we <laughs> didn't do it. And when we're experimenting it in English and literature, which are both my subjects. So they wanted it to be done in science, in math, in social studies. Yeah, but you know, it's creating this buy-in because sometimes when you talk about innovative strategies, they are so new that you know teachers are so used to using other ways of, of teaching and, and they've been using it for so long. Um, there is really no incentive to change because change can be painful also, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. I know that when I started using self-pacing, uh, my students did not like it at first. Um, mm. and, and it took me some time to get the buy-in. And so I got a lot of, you know, why can't you just teach like everybody else? Um, or you're not teaching me. And it's like, I am teaching you. I'm just doing it on a video. It's it's like multiplying me so that I can be at, with all of you at one time instead of with some of you at one time, right? Um, but what I learned over time and from listening to them was like, I made adjustments. Like when I, when they didn't like a specific type of tracker, we adjusted it. If they didn't like, um, you know, that videos felt boring or whatever, then I tried to do something different by adding music or more animations or whatever that may be. Um, I just found that I was constantly making adjustments based on what was working and what wasn't working for my kids. And that helped to create more buy-in. And then with self-pacing in particular, just time helped to create more buy-in. Because what I found was students telling me, when I'm absent, your class is the only one that I feel comfortable catching up in because I know right where I left off and where I need to pick up. I don't have to spend time asking you, like, what do I need to do to catch up? Yeah. Um, or, or you know, I really like the fact that I can take a little bit longer to get something done or I can move ahead. My students who move ahead get extension activities. Sometimes they're TAs. Um, and it's bred more opportunity for collaboration. And so by by the end, my students were saying, you know, why can't more teachers do what you're doing instead of why can't you do what more teach what the other teachers are doing? And so it really flip it flips. And and so that buy-in is really, really important. But also 
we have to give it time and let and give our students time to get that buy-in things don't just happen overnight you don't just make a change and, and all of a sudden everybody is cool with it um you know sometimes you have to do it for a while before and learn from it to know how is it best working yeah i fully agree so with that uh dustin uh what can our audience um look forward to in our next episodes yeah so coming up we'll be talking about uh, you know, some some other things like parent-teacher communication. Um, we'll talk a little bit about student voice and agency. And we have a whole list of, of things that we'll be getting to over the course of time. So, you know, again, this episode was all about innovative teaching practices, where we focused on how we can use AI in the classroom and how we can use self-pacing in the classroom to break the mold from traditional teaching and try to reach our students in a better way and get them more engaged. Uh, we would love to hear from our listeners, what are some topics that you would like for us to talk about? And then how do you use AI? What other types of innovative teaching practices are you using in the classroom? We would really love to share your experiences with everybody else because we are just teachers who are trying to learn and make education better for our students. And so I know that there are a lot of different innovative practices that are out there. I would love to hear what some other people are doing. Awesome. Yeah. Do you so have any, yeah. Do you yep. have any final thoughts, Ghazali, on, on what we've talked about today? Well, I, I think we've uh, covered two of the um, main points for innovative strategies because for me personally, I've not uh, heard of self-pacing uh, per se. So for me, it is new. It is innovative. Uh, I've heard more of self-directed learning, but what you're doing seems to be a bit different from, from that. You actually have a proper structure, a plan uh, for to help students to be self-engaged uh, or self-motivated. To learn, yeah. yeah. So that's definitely something innovative, uh, for me, and and I'll be glad to try it in class to see how it works for my own students. Awesome. Well, we want to thank everybody for being here, Ghazali. Thank you for once again thank just co-hosting with me. Uh, our next episode will be just two weeks from today. So remember, uh, we drop episodes every other Monday, and. Please like, subscribe, and spread the word. Much peace and love. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. I hope you, for all those who celebrate Thanksgiving, have a wonderful time with your friends and family and, and enjoy the mini break that you get as you work towards winter break. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.